a vital subject uh, throughout the Bible. Over a hundred times in the Bible, the subject to hand tonight is mentioned. And so stand with me as we read our text verse tonight, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 20. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 20. And reading together, please. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. We're going to talk about faithfulness tonight. Father, please, through the power of your Spirit, use the Word of God and these biblical truths and thoughts and the, the, the I believe, biblical logic that will apply to this subject to challenge our hearts, Lord, to be indeed faithful servants of Thee. Lord, You've never failed us one time. Never have You failed us. And uh, You've been faithful to us, certainly, Lord. Such faithfulness from our faithful God would demand of us, Your servants, faithful service. And so challenge us tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's been a couple of years now, but we attended the funeral service for Brother Bobby Robertson, longtime pastor of Gospel Light Baptist Church. 61 years, think about that, 61 years as the pastor of that great, great church. And uh, I sat down at the funeral. I, I didn't. I, I, I knew of him by name, but I didn't know. His, I, I wouldn't have recognized him. But I realized that I was sitting next to uh, Brother Lee Pope in the, at the funeral. So we got talking. I got chatting with him a little bit. Realized who he was and so forth. And now Brother Lee Pope was a bus captain in the bus ministry of Gospel Light Baptist Church for I think over fifty years, if I am correct. And um, and he influenced folks in our church. Miss Jessica Hoffines was saved as a result of Brother Lee Pope's uh, work in the bus ministry. Miss Patsy Waddell over here and her children uh, rode the bus, Sunday school bus, with Brother Lee Pope. And he'd come, he'd get one or two of the kids, and they were in diapers, I think, and help haul them on the bus. And He'd get, grab an extra diaper and take him on the bus. All right. And, uh, but anyway, and of course, we're so thankful for the influence that uh, Miss Patsy and her family have had here in their, uh, in their ministry here at uh, Bailey's Grove. And, um, and so the Bible said, A faithful man shall abound with blessing. Interesting, look at the last part of that verse. He said, He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You know, the world, uh, the worldly wisdom, uh, it could, could be described as, a, is, is, is trying to get one over on somebody or trying to find an easier way or a shortcut, if you will, a fast track to success, if you will. And, uh, and this verse, uh, warns against that. It said, he that, uh, hath, uh, he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. That's the fellow that wants a shortcut. That's the fellow that wants the reward without the longevity. He wants the reward. He wants the prize 
uh, without the, the principle, without the faithfulness, without the steadfastness. But the Bible said a, a faithful man shall abound with blessing. Esau said it this way. I don't know if his brother Esau or not. But anyway, he had some wisdom, didn't he? He said, slow and steady wins the race. The encouraging friend says, hang in there. Persevere, in other words. Keep going. Don't get discouraged. Don't look back. Don't quit. Go on for God, says the encouraging friend. Jesus said in Luke 9 and 62, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, some quit in their minds before they ever really get started. I talk to folks all the time. Yesterday I had a privilege of leaving a lady to Christ. And uh, she, I just knew she was going to get saved. Carson, we were together. I was, uh, Carson and I were visiting together. We made my visit. Then we made his visit together. And uh, and uh, just very kind. And her son had just gotten saved. 12-year-old son had just gotten saved. And mom came up and uh, went through the gospel. I thought she was going to, she, she seemed so anxious. And I thought she was going to get saved. And we got to the end. I said, would you like to receive Christ? I said, I don't know about that. And uh, and I said, uh, I said, uh, and I thought for a moment or two, and, and I said, are you, are you afraid that you won't be able uh, to, to live a faithful Christian life and you might be a hypocrite? She said, yes. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that. I don't want to be a hypocrite either. And, uh, but I went on to explain to her. I heard the little six-year-old daughter was standing next to her. And I said, can I ask you a question? Is that your daughter? Yes, that's my daughter. Do you give birth to her? Yes, I gave birth to her. How long will you be your daughter? Oh, she'll always be my daughter. And I said, you love her through thick and thin? Oh, yes, I love her through thick and thin. I said, if she misbehaves, you certainly don't love her then, do you? Oh, yes, I love her. Oh, you mean if she turned her back on you and walked away one day, you'd still love her? Yes, I'll always love her. I said, that. let me ask you a question. If you knew she was going to turn her back on you, would you prefer just not to have a daughter at all? Or would you prefer to have her and love her even in the hard times? She said, oh, I'd want to have her and love her in the hard times. I said, don't rob God of that same privilege. God loves me when I'm good and when I'm bad. I'm his child and sometimes I fail him and sometimes he has to spank me and chastise me. And I said, but uh, but he still wanted me. Amen. And I said, my children are, oh, let me tell you about my kids. My, no, my, ch- my children are imperfect as well. And uh, and um, and I said, but oh, listen, I, I 10,000 times rather have an imperfect child than I have a child at all. I said, don't take that joy from the Lord. God wants to save you. He gave his son and loves you and wants to save you. And I said, you wouldn't do that to the Lord. She said, no, I wouldn't. I said, would you like to be saved? She said, yes, I would. And she got saved. Amen. Now listen, listen. Uh, 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 the faithful man is the man that is needed. Don't, don't look back. You put your hand uh, uh, to the Christian life. Don't look back. Shall I turn back into the world? No, no, not I, not I. And the song writer wrote that little song. I like it. It said of Moses in Numbers 12, verse 7, that he is faithful in all mine house. Are we faithful in the things of God? In the house of God, are we faithful? Are we faithful? Now, may I say this? I think this church is way above average, way, way above average in this category. But I do believe this, if some of God's people treated their job, their Monday through Friday job, that they treated their spiritual duty at church, they'd probably get fired. You don't just not show up and not call in, do you? You wouldn't think of that. Well, I believe God's work deserves at least what we would give to 
a, 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 a job. And I'm not belittling, belittling the job. Amen? I think you'll be faithful both places. Amen? And um, anyway, uh, God is looking for faithful folk. First Samuel twenty two fourteen. Who is so faithful as David? The question was asked. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, the Bible said, Know therefore that the Lord the, uh, thy God, He is God, the faithful God. The faithful God is called. And uh, we read uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, uh, There is no temptation t- taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. God is faithful. And He's called in Deuteronomy 7, 9, the faithful God. Thus to be godly, thus to be like God, we must be faithful. Psalm 12, 1, David cried, Help, Lord. For the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. I made this case last Sunday. I think in Sunday school, maybe. I can't remember. Can't remember where I say what. I think it was in Sunday school. I think it was in Sunday school. And I made the case of how we, we've dumbed down education. We've literally dumbed down education. I told this, I think, pretty sure in Sunday school, but uh, one of our, one of our uh, ladies, members of our church that retired from teaching, and I wish I, I wish I knew for how long it was. I'm just guessing. I think I want to say it's about seven, eight years ago, maybe somewhere in that. Let me nine years ago, something in that category. But nonetheless, she taught and and uh, she uh, uh, um, uh, retired from teaching teaching career and is doing some substitute teaching. And um, and uh, and told her husband, she said, "I'm teaching advanced advanced math to ninth and tenth graders. The same math I taught the sixth graders." Advanced classes for ninth and tenth grade is the same math I taught the sixth graders when I retired. And we're not allowed to give anything less than a fifty. You turn it, put your name on a blank piece of paper, and turn it in, you get a fifty. We got to get everybody through the system. <laughs> maybe they can do math. Maybe they can. <laughs> now, I, I, I know that. I'm not, I, I'm not saying the same everywhere. I, I, I'm just saying this. We, we, we've dumbed down. It says you know it's a lot easier to control somebody who's ignorant. Yeah. And, um, and, but we've done the same thing to the Bible. We've dumbed the Bible down. We've dumbed the Bible down. Now, the Bible does tell us in Deuteronomy the king should read therein all the days of his life. And obviously, I don't think we have to linger uh, to make the point that it's healthy for God's people to read the Bible. But you know, the Bible says a lot more about studying the Word of God than does reading the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved. Search the Scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life. The Berean Christians were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily. And so we, we've, we've created this atmosphere where you pick up a book and you can't read it. We dumb the book down instead of digging, instead of studying, which the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Study. That means you've got to work at it. That means you got to work at it. Kids, listen to me. So, and by the way, moms and dads, get behind the get behind the teachers. Teachers work with the parents and build that uh, uh, build that uh, alliance between mom and dad and teachers. But but kids, listen. Uh, uh, it is work. It's school work. It is school work. It is school work. <laughs> it's work. All right. And you say, why are we doing that? Because life is work. <laughs> You're gonna have to work when you get out of there in life. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, but anyway, we, 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 uh, we, we pick up the Bible and say, I can't read it. So what do we do? We dumb the Bible down. No, no, dumb the Bible down. Educate yourself. Get a handbook. Get, get a, get you a Bible dictionary. Get your concordance. Get you a good, good, uh, 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 commentary. And read and study your Bible. Amen. 
Look at the cross-references. Most valuable tool you have to study your Bible is the cross-references in the center column of your Bible. It's the most valuable tool you have to study your Bible. Look them up. Find out. The Bible said First Corinthians 2 that these things of God, these deep things of God are revealed when we, cons- when we compare the spiritual things with spiritual things. When you look what the Bible has to say about the Bible, the Bible is the best commentary on itself. And uh, listen, we, 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 need some, we need some believers who will put their hand to the task and not look back and not quit, but will go on and persevere. And yes, that'll take work. And yes, that'll take diligence. And yes, that'll take consistency. But that's what God blesses. That's what God wants. And ultimately, we hope to stand before Him and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just what is Bible faithfulness? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant. Faithfulness means to keep your commitments. Faithfulness means to keep your commitments. Faithfulness means if you made a covenant, if you made a contract, if you made a promise, if you made a deal, you keep your end of the deal. That's what it means. You say, I'm in a position I can't keep it. Then what do I do? Then you call the person with whom you made the agreement and you tell them so. You don't change your phone number again and 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 and, 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 uh, and turn your voicemail off. Uh, what you do is you call them and you make a new arrangement. Why? Because a faithful person is one who keeps his commitments. In Nehemiah 13, 13, the Bible speaks of the treasurers uh, 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 and the priests and the scribes and the Levites. Uh, Nehemiah wrote about them. And he said they were counted faithful and their office was to distribute under their brethren. Faithful means trustworthy with money. Faithful man is trustworthy with money. He said, I don't have any money. Uh, uh, it, 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 if, if you are faithful, then that means uh, knowing what to do with the dollar bill and knowing how to hold on to that dollar bill and making sure that dollar bill goes what it's supposed to go for. Yeah, well, I know, but I, I, uh, I need, it's amazing. Can you help us? Uh, we, we gotta have power for our light bill. Alright, I recognize that. It's getting cold. We have power for our light bill. And one of our, his own staff here, he's better at this than I was. Then he goes to some places, and, and he wasn't unkind at all. But he'd say, I, I tell you what I'll do, I'll buy you a television. You need a hundred dollars? Okay, I'll buy you a television for a hundred dollars. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I think that television's worth a hundred dollars. I'll buy you a television for a hundred dollars, then you can pay. I can't sell my television. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying. Every, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, no, but, but 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 trustworthy means that I. Uh, excuse me, faithful means I'm trustworthy with money, according to the Bible. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A tale-bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. A faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Faithfulness means. Able to keep confidence. Able to keep confidence. You say, Pastor, I am, I, 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 you can trust me, you can trust me, I won't tell anybody who promises not to tell. I wouldn't dare tell somebody unless they promised me they wouldn't tell. (laughs) A faithful means is someone who conceals the matter. Someone who's, listen, listen, sometimes we get a little too uh, uh, spiritual, so to speak, in this, pseudo-spiritual in this matter. And, uh, and, uh, and we must be careful. I'm not for hiding sin in the sense that not dealing with sin. I know that's wrong. I think any level-headed Christian would know that. 
But that doesn't mean we blab sin. That doesn't mean we repeat sin. Why do I need to know all the sins going on in somebody else's church or someone else? Why do I need to know that? Why do I need to know that? The gospel's good news. Amen? Gospel's good news. By the way, by the way, that's why when you spend time with folks, you need to have a plan when you spend time with them. Some of you get yourself in trouble. Well, we're just going to go sit around and drink a cup of coffee. The problem with that is you do more than drink coffee. Somebody say amen. We're just going to go hang out for a while. The problem is that you don't you do you more than hang out. Uh, 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 you do more than hang out, and you talk about some good things for a while, and after that you run out of things to, to talk about. So what do you start doing? You start talking about people, and when you it's getting quiet in here. You start talking about people, and when you start talking about people, you start talking about negative things. Amen, Pastor. Brother Hamilton, you say amen if you would, please. Uh, faithfulness uh, means uh, uh, being a blessing. To your superiors. Proverbs 13, 17 says, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. But a faithful ambassador is hell. Listen, a guy that has a crucial job and you're not sure if you can count on him will absolutely worry you to death. But a faithful ambassador, a faithful messenger, uh, is one who refreshes you. Uh, Proverbs 25, 13, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest. So is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. What a refreshing thing it is for a leader of any kind to be able to give a task or a message to be delivered to someone and be able to say, I know it's going to be done. I know it's going to be done. But an unfaithful person will worry you have to death. A faithful witness will not lie. Faithful means to be honest. Proverbs 14, 5. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as, much as he was faithful... Neither was there any error or fault found in him. A faithful testimony means to have a testimony above reproach. In Matthew 25, 21, we find that faithfulness brings greater responsibility. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Luke's account says, he said to them, well then, uh, th- well thou good a servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Faithfulness brings greater responsibility. Luke twelve forty two teaches us that faithfulness increases opportunities. Very similar to our previous thought. Uh, who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler of his household, to give them the portion of meat in due season? If you therefore, uh, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Luke sixteen eleven. Second Timothy two two. The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Faithfulness creates opportunities. Faithfulness or a lack thereof reveals a man's character. Luke sixteen ten. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. God looks at the way we treat the little things. Decides what he can trust with us beyond that. God is faithful. First Corinthians 1 9, God is faithful. 10 13, 1 Thessalonians 5 24, 2 Thessalonians 3 3. God's faithfulness does not depend on our faith. I like this thought right here. Listen to it. 2 Timothy 2 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He's talking to believers when he says this. He's talking to believers and he says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Can I tell you something? God isn't rattled by our doubts. Amen. 
He's not rattled by our doubts. He is a faithful God. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Reason with me for a few minutes. What are these abounding blessings of faithfulness? First of all, faithfulness builds consistency. God told Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28, 7, of the blessings that would be upon his life, here's the phrase, if he be constant. If he be constant. We might say it this way, if he be consistent. We preached last Sunday morning, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Let me have uh, some helpers here as much as I can get. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Trenton, you stand up right there if you would. Brother Brian, you stand up right there if you would. And uh, Brother Dave, you stand right there in the middle of the aisle. If you don't mind, Brother Matt, you stand up right there. And uh, let's see here. Grandpa Shook, will you stand up right here? And Calvin, will you stand up right there? And Brother Calvin Sr., will you go stand against that door? Put your nose in the corner and stand there because you've been bad. Uh, all right. Now, now this is not in, in a straight line, but just imagine this is in a straight line because the point I want to make is this. In the Christian life, I see Robert Gulton uh, is standing right there between uh, Trenton and Brian, if you don't mind. Just stand between them, about halfway between them. This is a Christian life. The Bible said a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, all right? That means seven, not eight. It doesn't mean seven, not six. It means seven in the sense that seven is a number of completion. Seven days in a week, seven notes on a scale, seven colors in a rainbow, etc. It means that when you fall, you get back up every time, just like after every Sunday, there's a Monday, and so forth. So a just man falleth. Here's a Christian life, as we talked last Sunday morning. Uh, a man uh, is going on in his Christian life. This represents a fall. What's the most important day in a Christian's life? What was the most important day in Peter's life? The day he realized he had done wrong. Went out and wept and got up and kept on going. Amen? And that's the most important day in your life when you realize you've done wrong, but you, you get up and you keep on going. Uh, but, but a just man falls, falls seven times, and he falls again. But he's a just man, so what does he do? He gets up and keeps going, and he falls again, and he gets up and keeps going. Matt, go down just a few uh, uh, paces there. Right there, good. And he, he gets up and keeps going. And, he, and then he goes, on a little, uh, goes a little further now, uh, but he falls. And, and, but he gets up and he keeps going. And he goes, and he goes uh, a little further still, and he, and he falls. But he gets up and he keeps going. Hey! He's, he made a pretty good pace right here. But what happened? Uh, uh, his wife made him mad again, and so he fell. And, uh, uh, but he got back up. And, and you, you know what Christian growth is? Christian growth is not you don't ever fall. It's that you, your fall spread out. You see that? You don't, you don't fall as often as once you did. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. You don't fall as often as once you did. The growth in the Christian life is building consistency. Building consistency. <clears throat> I remember years ago, uh, and, and Brother Jeff, <clears throat> Miss Dana, and, uh, and, and gave him a challenge, and he said this too publicly, but I gave him a challenge. I said, Brother Jeff, give me 30 days. 30 days. And just come to everything for 30 days. Now, he grew up in the Methodist church, and God forgave him for that. Anyway, so this Sunday night, Wednesday night thing, he wasn't used to all that, man. What, my soul, good night. Anyway, but uh, no, but the, he, he was saved. And, uh, but he said, I'll, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And you know what? For the next 30 days, they, did, they kept that commitment. 
and just showed up, just showed up, showed up, showed up, showed up, showed up. And that was, I guess, probably 20 years ago, and they're still showing up. Amen? They're still showing up. Hey, faithfulness builds consistency. Number two, consistency then becomes predictability. Consistency becomes predictability. Can I tell you something? When you came to church tonight, nobody in this room said, Hey, Brother Hamilton's here tonight. Hey, great to see you, man. Nobody did that. Now, maybe someone did that with you. I don't know. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But but nobody said, oh, look, Mr. Cook's here tonight. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad he made it. He better make it, bless the Lord, all my soul. So faithfulness, I'm talking about the faithfulness that abounds. Um, uh, faithfulness builds consistency, and consistency then becomes predictability. In Genesis chapter 18, the Lord himself has visited Abraham. He has a plan. He's going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy it, and he's contemplating, shall I hide this thing from Abraham, and then he says in verse number 19, no, I know him. I know him, and he speaks about how he will guide his own house. Uh, God knew something about Abraham. Abraham is counted among the faithful, and God said, I don't know, shall I, shall I share this with Abraham? And God said, no, I know Abraham, and God did tell Abraham, and Abraham reliably went to intercession for Lot and the, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so faithfulness builds consistency, which then becomes predictability and thirdly grows into dependability. When you become predictable, others then begin to see you as someone they can count on, as someone they can put some weight on. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said that the greatest ability is dependability. The greatest ability is dependability. Sometimes somebody said, you know, I really want to get involved around here. What do I need to do? I said, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Amen? Yeah, but I really want to do something. All right, I want you to do something too. Well, what do I do? Just keep showing up. Amen? If you start, listen, you keep showing up, it won't be long. Somebody will say, hey man, you know, I've seen you here a lot. I really need help over here. And uh, and, 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 and faithfulness becomes uh, consistency, uh, which becomes predictability, which grows into dependability. Hey, listen, listen, listen. You know what this whole world needs? It's some folks that are dependable. I, the employers that I have talked to over the years, 10 to 1, would rather have somebody they could count on day after day after day than a superstar they're not sure is going to show up. It's so hard to get something done and make commitments with your, with your clients and make plans and try to lean on somebody. And they may be extremely talented, but what good is that if they're not there? Dependability. As you continue in faithfulness, dependability then brings, as we read in the Scripture, responsibility. Responsibility. In Nehemiah 7, verse 2, he said, I gave Hananiah charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man. Sounded like a pretty big responsibility. But he received that charge. Why? Because he was a faithful man. Would you teach this class, someone says. Will you help on this area, someone says. Will you take this job, someone says. And another says, well, nobody ever asked me. Hmm, I wonder why. The problem's not external, the problem's internal. The Bible said a faithful man shall abound with blessings. If I was a faithful man, who can find? 
Hananiah, the faithful man, was given a charge. Oh, how many times, dear friend, uh, 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 did we say, well, I'll be faithful if I have a responsibility. Now, let me tell you something. I've tried that. I've tried that. And I've never found it to work. <laughs> some of you employees, employers, excuse me, some of your employers, some of your leaders in your area, you've tried it. And if it worked, let me know. But sometimes you want it to work so bad, you say, well, I know, I know they don't have the character, but they want it, and let's try it. Let me tell you something. You know what you need first? You need the character first. Listen, there's, you, you, if, you're, if you say, well, I'm just not reaching my potential, it's not for lack of opportunity. It is not for lack of opportunity. The man that's faithful, the man that's dependable, the man that's predictable, the man that is uh, uh, consistent, opportunity is looking for him. He's not too good looking for opportunity. One of our men texted me today. I think 30 years on the job. And the uh, business that he works for is downsizing. And some of those, some of those employees with the most tenure are the first ones to be let go. And he was among the first ones to be let go. But another department had heard about it and snatched him right up and said, man, I'm hiring you. Hey, let me tell you something. Faithful man shall abound with blessings. Faithfulness brings, uh, builds consistency, which becomes predictability, which grows into dependability, which brings responsibility. Which number five brings more responsibility. <laughs> brings more responsibility. This is Luke sixteen ten. We read a while ago. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust at least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust to true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve to master. He that is faithful in the least will be faithful in much. Guess what responsibility uh, uh, faithfully executed, faithfully uh, performed will bring what? More responsibility. Which then number six proves reliability. Proverbs 25, 13, as we read a while ago, speaks of the faithful messenger who refresheth the soul of his masters. I don't know about you, but I'd like to know that the Lord knew he could count on me. Wouldn't you like for the Lord to know that about you? I'd like for the Lord to know that he could count on me and show responsibility, and thus more responsibility brings reliability, watch it, we're almost done, which then brings, number seven, stability. Do you know what this world needs? Stability. The Bible in Genesis 49, Jacob is on his deathbed and he's giving his final words to his sons and he brings Reuben. He said, Reuben, you're mighty, you're strong. You're my firstborn. Much is expected of you, he said, but you're unstable. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Some of the most talented, some of the mightiest, some of the strongest, some uh, uh, some that seemed the most uh, would be voted the most likely to succeed, never reached their potential because of unfaithfulness. The best soul owner that has ever attended this church, best soul owner ever attended this church. If I remember correctly, this goes back quite a few years. As when I was his pastor, had nine different jobs in ten years. The best, probably the best personality, and a great, great testimony of salvation, also a former member of this church. 
just was unstable. Pastored multiple churches in the same area and had the same problems. And uh, I tried to keep tabs with him and so forth like that. Even got to the place where he began to, to change the order of his name. He'd use his first name as his last name. His last name is his first name. So people wouldn't recognize his name. They'd use initials. Can I tell you something? Stability brought about by reliability and responsibility comes from the faithful man. When you become stable, next, you then begin to give security. Ephesians 4.14 says, No more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. A church like that's changing all the time. And, and we do this one day, and then next year we're doing this over here, and then we're doing this over here, and now we're over here. It, it, this, there's no security in that. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.2 talks about those. It says, Be not soon shaken. Be not soon shaken. Proverbs 24.21 said, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Hey, let me give you some help. Hang around stable people. Hang around stable people. You know why some folks are so eager to change? Because they found out it takes character to stick with the, th- the last thing they committed to. <laughs> and it lost its luster and the newness wore off. So we look for a better idea that worked for someone else. We come to find out it takes character to work that idea too. So then we look for another better idea <laughs> instead of just being faithful. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. Our God is looking tonight for faithful men and women. When we die, we hope to stand before Him and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me give you four admonitions. Only 15 minutes on each point. Three admonitions. Number one, God's work needs stewards. God's work needs stewards. By that I mean not just, I'm not minimizing this, but not just volunteers. Not just, uh, uh, not just participants. God's work needs stewards. God work, God's work needs somebody who will shoulder the burden. Who will take the responsibility. God's work needs somebody that, uh, that the, the, the Sunday school superintendent can entrust with a class because they know that they're going to be there and they're going to uh, be in their place and they're going to be prepared and they're going to be studied and they're not just going to come and, and waste time. Uh, but God's work needs stewards. God work, God's work needs somebody 
who can take the responsibility. Uh, somebody that the bus director can come to and say, we've got a bus, we've got an empty vehicle, we've got an area, and we've got some people, and we've got a few workers, but what we don't have is someone who'll shoulder the responsibility and captain the route and say, I'll answer to God for this route. I'll make sure the driver is in his place. I'll make sure the workers are visiting in the homes. I'll make sure the kids uh, and the families are being prayed over. I'll take the responsibility. Listen, God is looking for stewards, not just participants, not just volunteers, not just spectators. Most of y'all have heard about the old spectator. It's not original with me, but I did put my own spin on it. But Speck, is a mem- uh, he's a member of the Tater family. And Speck's favorite phrase is, I love, to, I love work. I could watch people do it for hours. He doesn't get involved, but he's a great observer and always good for a nice compliment. His cousin, Dictator, has lots of ideas. His favorite ideas are his own ideas. He loves to give them. He's so generous with his ideas that he gives them all away so others can have the joy of actually doing them. In fact, old Dick has so many good ideas to give, he couldn't possibly find the time to do any of them. I mean, who would dictate to others what they should be doing if he was too busy working himself? He does have one minor flaw, though, and that is if someone else uses does not use his idea, he has a tendency to gloat when things don't go so well. After all, if they had only listened to him, well, you get the point. Then there's old Uncle Hesitator. When old Hesse is asked to help at church, he knows he should, but he seems to always put it off. He's sure he'll get around to serving the Lord someday, so always let him know when there's a need. I don't think anyone's ever actually talked to him on the phone, but he's always so nice to say, don't hesitate to call if you need something. And then there's Aunt Carmen Tater. I'm not talking about the one that's related to Pastor Tater either, all right? But Aunt Carmen Tater has an opinion about everything. And you never need to ask what she thinks because she's the first one to tell you. When she starts commentating, she really gets in the zone and basically becomes oblivious that anyone else is there. Occasionally, when it dawns on her that no one actually is there anymore, she has the uncanny ability of hijacking another conversation with her expert commentary, even if she has no idea what the conversation was about. One word of warning, though. If you notice commentator moving toward your conversation while you're in the middle of saying something very important, you must not pause to breathe. Because if you do, you will lose your place in line. And, well, it's going to be a while before you get another chance. Because she doesn't pause, not even to breathe. Then there's Speck's niece, Agitator. We call her Aggie for short. When she was in school, she got poor marks on plays well with others. She's continually out of sorts with someone, and her favorite mood is mad. She has many running conflicts, but sometimes has difficulty remembering which agitation goes with which person. I guess that's why she stays agitated all the time, so she never misses an opportunity to be mad. It's not that she isn't positive. In fact, she has the uncanny ability of throwing someone under the bus at the end of every compliment. Brother so-and-so is so organized and efficient, unlike a certain principle I know. And you can always count on her if you're just hankering for a good argument. She's brilliant at pointing out faults that no one else sees because nothing's ever good enough for old agitator. But I'm happy to inform you tonight that good old grandma and grandpa tater are just as sweet as ever. These sweet taters have a real servant's heart. 
They don't need accolades or recognition. They just faithfully fulfill their duties with a kind disposition and a loving heart. They seem so happy to have the opportunity to just serve the Lord. Honestly, they're easy to take for granted because they don't complain and are never upset. I guess they walk in the Spirit or something. Anyway, the church couldn't do without them, and so we thank God for those sweet taters who don't dictate, hesitate, commentate, spectate, or agitate. They just faithfully serve. Oh, listen, God needs some stewards. He needs some folks He can count on who won't talk about the work, but will do the work. Number two, build the character of a steward, and you'll soon have a stewardship. Build the character of a steward, and you'll soon have a stewardship. One of the philosophies of the progressive church movement, you've experienced it. Winning a soul to Christ, winning a young couple to Christ. Brand new in the Lord, months old in the Lord, coming faithfully to church, absent one Sunday. Absent another Sunday. And follow up, where are they? Well, we have some friends that go to church over here and um, go to Exhibit A Rock and Roll Church. And, um, and they said, if we go over there, I could teach Sunday school. And I love to teach. So we decided to go over there. Now, I think it's wonderful someone gets saved, born again, and teaches Sunday school. But can I say one of the philosophies of this progressive uh, church is everybody come and everybody serve. And every member ought to be a servant. Don't misunderstand me. But let me tell you something. Uh, uh, there is uh, accountability for leadership and much, much harm has come to the cause of Christ when someone who is not an example steps into a position of leadership. Everybody ought to be a soul winner. Everybody ought to be faithful. Amen. And everybody ought to put their hand to the plow and help. But if you're going to stand up, especially with this book right here and teach the Word of God, if you're going to take leadership, the Bible said, not a novice. You ought to be faithful. You ought to be proven. And much harm comes to the cause of Christ by those who did not have the character of a steward but we're given a stewardship. You want a stewardship? Build the character of a steward, and it won't be long till you have a stewardship. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's four generations. Paul said, my generation, Timothy taught you. Now you teach men who will be able to teach others. <clears throat> the only way to pass faith from one generation to another is faithful servants, dependable servants with consistent testimonies who year after year stand for the same thing. The instability that's in Christian circles is due in large part to worldliness and leadership. He goes on in the verses that follow in verse 3 of 2 Timothy, endure hardness. Verse 5, strive. Verse 10, endure. Yes, it's difficult. You build the character of a steward, it won't be long to somebody say, could you take custody of this? Whatever job you have, make it a big job, and God will likely enlarge it. And then last, if you have mismanaged your stewardship, it's not too late to salvage it. In Luke chapter number 16, there's a story that is told of a steward. And it's a beautiful story of hope for all of us at times have been negligent in the responsibilities that God has given us. But in Luke 16, I read for you the brief story. And he said unto his disciples, there was a 
a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted its goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. You're about to lose your opportunity. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Listen, if you've mismanaged your stewardship, if you have not prayed for your students week after week in your class, if you've not prepared your lesson like you ought to, and you go and you and you and flip the time away, the precious, precious short time that we have with those children that God entrusts to us without the world and, and getting eight, six, eight hours of media a day in the public government education and now we have them for a short little 30, 35, 40 minutes and what a shame that we had wasted a single moment of that time. If you've mismanaged that stewardship, if you haven't prayed, if you haven't wept for them, if you haven't studied and prepared, you can still do wisely. You can still do wisely. You say, well, I have mismanaged the stewardship so, Pastor, I'm just going to give it up to somebody more worthy. Oh, sure, you could do that. But tell you something better. I'll tell you something better. Get yourself right. Get yourself right. Get faithful. Get dependable. Do something wise about that stewardship. And just go back and say, I don't know, I don't know about the opportunity. I don't worry about the opportunity. You just be, uh, have the character of a steward. And I promise you, it won't be long until a stewardship comes available and somebody's going to look around and say, man, we've got to, hey, man, you, you know, good night, you've been here. Can you help us? I don't know about you. I want to be where the action is. I want to get to heaven one day and hear their words. Well done, thou good and faithful hesitator. Participator. Agitator. Spectator. No. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Shall we stand? Father... What a great privilege it is to be a